0: If you're looking for strong opinions, loosely held and widely shared, you've come to the right place. This is the National Talkie League.
1: National Talkie League. Oh. Rumble, young man. Rumble, this is the National Talkie League. Oh, you know what? It's been a good offseason. Uh, I spent it abroad. I left Dave Ware at home to do uh, field reports from the frozen tundra. Uh, And as I understand it, we're probably going to get into this in this episode. There was a lot of igloo building. There was a lot of um, freezing one's nuts off. There was a lot of testing, witches, tit, and brass monkey theories. Um, And and there was also some really excellent podcast work done uh, over the past couple of weeks. But things are back to normal now. And I couldn't be happier. And I'm really hoping that Dave hits me right between the eyes with some kick ass new theme song.
0: National Talkie League, because Roger's home now. National Talkie League, it's season two now. National Talkie League, and here we go now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The drum solo is is what really puts it all together. It's like the rug in the Big Lebowski. That drum solo is just has has no, has no peer.
0: Season two, I I think because we took like
1: a week and a half off, this could officially be the start of the second season. Yeah, which is uh, it's comparable. The the break that we had, the furlough, is comparable to the NHL offseason or the break that Premiership uh, football players get. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Cause it was like nine days or so. It felt like a, like forever. Cause the, the, uh, the podcast I did with Ken Gardner was a bit late in getting out. So I think it didn't make it out till like a Thursday or a Friday. And then we had a
1: full week off after that. Uh, Since you brought it up, by the way, that was a thoroughly entertaining national talkie league episode <laughs> where with Ken Gardner. A uh, friend of both of ours, uh, Loose Moose Improviser, Contractor Extraordinaire, hopped over the boards for uh, his own session on the National Talky League, and that was just like it was delightful. It was funny, and it was really cool to to hear another perspective. I, I think Ken
0: had a blast doing the show uh, when I when I uh, spoke to him about it uh, this past Saturday night. Uh, he and I and uh, our other buddy uh, Rob did a show at the Loose Moose, which was amazingly fun. Uh, Like, you know, one of my favorite groups to get together. And uh, he uh, sort of said, yeah, you know, maybe uh, if you guys like at some point, I'll come back on and uh, we could do like a shell buzzy segment.
1: (laughs) A shell buzzy segment. Oh my God. (laughs) So do they, do we have to explain who shell? We we may
0: have to, I don't know. Our our listenership (laughs) might be too young for shell.
1: Well, he's, he's been off the air for quite a while now, but shell used to do this, um, like a handyman radio show on Sunday mornings, right? And uh, he worked – it was like – it was always on CHQR. Uh, this is before I started working there. But it, it, that show was on for like 15 or 20 years. And he owned uh, he owned this store in like the Vancouver area called HomeSmart. Or he didn't own it. He like had an arrangement with it somehow. And he also – I think he was like shilling for uh, Roxel insulation and like one or two other products. And he had a soap, like he had this like soap that was this granulated soap that you mix with water and you could, and it had his, his name and like a cartoon caricature of him. But anyway, so he was always hawking these products, like virtually everything you called about, like, Hey, Shell, uh, the chimney, uh, a chimney fire. And I'm trying to figure out how, what I should do to repair that. He's like, okay, you're going to get my soap and you're going to get some Roxul safe and sound insulation. <laughs> It was like every answer. seemed, And
0: it was always brought to you by the good people at Minwax.
1: (laughs) Right. The funniest thing about him though is that it was like, you you know, he's got this this weekly program where people are calling in and asking questions about like, you know, what do I do about this leaky pipe or like whatever it is. These people would call a radio host instead of like open the yellow pages to plumber or (laughs) like someone who could actually like do the work for them. And then the other funny thing too about it was that he would spend so much time like just greeting people. Like so, uh, let me explain. He'd come on the air at like you know it, it's eleven oh seven, and the news was just over. Oh, hello, and a, a good Sunday morning to you. Maybe you're driving to church with your your wife and your your kid, or your husband and your kid, or or your wife and your son and your daughter, or your your husband and your daughter and your son, or maybe you're driving home from church, or you're driving to the grocery store, and or maybe you're going to your uh, aunt's house, or maybe, <laughs> just like on and on it would go. <laughs>
0: ah memories yeah good old shell uh so yeah i think uh at some point we need to have uh have ken on again we should uh preload see if we can get some some good uh, uh house questions coincidentally while he came over to record uh i've been having some issues with some of my door like my front and back door frames and so ken was able to look at those while he was here that was awesome
1: nice nice um yeah, I want to give a, a couple of shouts out beyond just the shout to to Ken. Um, I want to say uh, to Keith, who's another um, uh, addition to the national talkie. He's been on a couple of times. Uh, not Keith Kalbeck, but Keith Andrews. Uh, he had his um, so he's a painter, and he you know he came on. He talked about how he uh, went to Africa on like a photography mission, and then he ended up like making paintings out of a lot of the photographs that he took. Uh, and he's just had his artwork accepted into the stampede's Western art showcase, which is like quite an honor and a, definitely a testament to uh, his skills. So I'm pretty pumped for Keith Andrews um, to see him uh, and his, his uh, work on display in the, uh, I guess that would be like the back of the corral where they have that showcase every stampede.
0: Yeah. And he's actually also doing uh, on Facebook right now, he has a Facebook group called Advance Your Art. And so if you're a painter or an an artist or a pencil artist or whatever, you would go on to Keith's group. And, uh, I think you have to get accepted. It's like a closed group. Uh, and then he also, uh, I guess not podcast isn't the right word broadcasts, right? So he, he has a camera set up on his canvas. And so he'll sit there and paint and people will type questions in and he'll talk to them. And then the other thing they do is they do, uh, critiques. So if you're trying to figure out how to pick, do a picture of your dog, you put up what you've done so far and then the, uh, the reference photo or whatever. And then Keith will sort of go, okay, well, this is pr- this part here. You might need to do this, or you might need to do that. Uh, I think it's just a brilliant idea. Like, cause there's so many people who, you know, are trying to get better at something. And then, so here's a way where you can learn from other people's mistakes
1: as well as your own. Right. I feel like we could ruin that for him. <laughs> uh, just, just. <by, laughs> Just with the kind of snarky comments we would we like to make on his uh, <laughs> Facebook page from time to time, I will, I will, I will not attempt to ruin that for him. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, so here's another. So I got one more. That I just want to toss in before you move on. Um, Laura, who listens to every episode of the podcast, when Doug Ford announced that he was running for the leadership of the Ontario Conservatives it took her less than a hot minute to send me a, a message on Facebook that says he's going to win. And I just kind of like laughed, but I didn't offer a rebuttal. I just kind of went, huh? All right. Like whatever. That's all. That was as much as I took. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, think Surely they're going to have better candidates than Doug Ford. Uh, if I said Rob before I meant Doug, but anyway, I texted her the other day just to go like, I didn't, I can't believe it. You predicted this like the instant it was announced and you were correct. Well, you know? I don't, I don't know if they had better candidates, but that's the one they chose. <laughs> yeah. I love the Beaverton headline that said, um, conservatives elect drug dealer to replace sexual <laughs> uh, mis, uh, miscreant or whatever <laughs> it was.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's getting a little crazy out there in Ontario. Although, I mean, we could sort of segue that into the, the world in general and our country in general, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Ontario deals with that. Cause there's probably a lot of conservative voters that probably aren't fans of, of Doug Ford, but will hold their noses and vote for him anyway, because I can't imagine that anybody wants to see another liberal government there.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean, I think that's the best Doug Ford's election is the best thing that could have happened to Kathleen Wynne. I think that he's like the least credible Candidate outside the party, like you know what Mm. I mean? He's just got so much baggage. Like they could have elected anybody else, and then they would, they they would have the luxury of being able to craft a story that they're going to tell, and like, and you know, they 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 could they could um, win the minds of of those the squishy middle, right? Like the the nonpartisan voter a lot more easily than with the, the backstory that is Doug Ford. I mean, they'll just have to dig up all those Toronto star articles and the, the, uh, Globe and Mail and McLean's pieces that exposed what the Ford cartel was like.
0: Well, and, and there's something to be said for the fact that, that the laundry's already out. So what are you going to do now? Right.
1: Yeah. Maybe that's, we've true. already had that discussion. I think it'd be, so. It'll be fantastic if he wins. Like, I hope like it would just be so much fun if he, if he were to win, and uh then you'd have him like shouting at Justin Trudeau. All the time. It would just be fantastic.
0: Uh, well, and I i mean, I don't see what else is going to happen there because the the liberal support is so small right now. I think she was polling in like 20 percent or less. So the only other possibility is the NDP steps up and tries to claim some of that left vote. But all that's going to do is split the left vote. Right.
1: You know, that could be the case, but I, I I almost wonder if they're not kind of cruising towards a, a similar situation that Alberta was in where, you know, enough people will say I can't bring myself to vote for for Doug Ford and I'm going to certainly not support Kathleen Wynne. So, you know, Andrea Horvath it is and the NDP it is. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think it's – I don't follow Ontario politics that closely, but I mean, you know, for just from a drive-by perspective, I don't think that an NDP government is – Is uh, unimaginable in in Ontario, is it?
0: Yeah. No, I think all they have to do is start getting their profile up a little bit because they generally don't get a lot of press at the moment. They were Mm – I I looked up the stats for the recent elections uh, and they – I think the conservatives have 28 seats and they have 21. And then there's like 100 or something. So the liberals must have 55 or 56 or something like that. Um. But yeah, they're not that far behind the conservatives at the moment, as far as seat count. I mean, I'm not talking polling at the moment, but it'll be up to them to sort of see if they can pull a news cycle or two away from the, you know, the train wrecks, as it were.
1: Yeah. I guess that election's looming, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I don't think it's right away, but I would think it's some point in the spring, maybe
1: the sun, early yeah, summer. It gets up to Kathleen when to call it. I don't think they have yeah, set it may, election It, dates it might not even be called she yet. Has to call yeah. it by the end of May or something like that. Yeah, a quick Google could uh, sort this one out. I'm
0: not familiar with that, but uh, um, yeah, so that'll be an interesting thing to see what happens there. Because held on or before June 7th. On June 7th. Okay, honor before June 7th. All right. Well, and in our own province here, the legislature took uh,
1: its first session. Was it today? Was the first session? Uh, No, it couldn't have been today. Had to be last week sometime. Okay. Didn't it? I don't know. I'm. I don't know. Either. I'm asking you. See, you're back here, in the country I, now. Come on, step it up. <laughs> back. You know, but I don't have cable, which means a couple of things. I can't watch the basketball tournament. I had to go to the bar to see Tiger Woods finish second in the golf tournament over the weekend, and I don't get CPAC. I mean, what's going on here? And
0: is this just because you turned your cable off
1: for a month, or? No, I cut. Oh, you the, cut the court. Yeah, a long time ago. I cut it when I. Yeah. So I don't like giving money to the Shaw family anymore. I'll say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> we did it. The- no, it's not that. We did the cord cutting thing
0: not too long ago too. And the only thing, the only thing that I'm having trouble with is not getting my soccer games on the weekend. Cause I used to get up early. There's a, we had the dish and it was like 15 bucks a month for that channel on top of everything else you're paying for to guarantee that I would get a game every week. Um, which now I'm like, man, I just need a like a streaming website set up by my team. Where I can just go there and download every game that they play, so I can watch it, right, or live stream it or have, whatever. But uh, I'm having real trouble finding my games.
1: Have you checked out Fubo or um, D A Z N dot com. Have you seen those services? Either of them have the Premiership or not?
0: I think in North America the Premiership is only uh, NBC and then Sportsnet in Canada. I should double check but I'm pretty sure they didn't yeah. have the leagues that I wanted to get.
1: Well, you're such a football
0: snob. You insist on watching only the best, huh? <laughs> oh, my team is far from the best this year. They're having some troubles, but I think we're back on track. Be so, be the be Arsenal. Arsenal, yes.
1: Yes. Um, okay, so let's grab the reins here and steer it back to, to the yes, Alberta, Alberta legislature. Yes, Alberta legislature. I just – I wonder if um, – I wonder when we're going to start to see like the first big um, – what, what do I want to say? Like electioneering? Like when is it going to look like they're in full-on campaign mode? Because right now I just sort of think that they're establishing themselves and settling into a routine, criticizing everything that uh, uh, the NDP does. Uh, and I thought that in that throne speech where – Uh, Rachel Notley steps up and says like, hey, you know, we're going to limit the amount of oil they can get in the lower mainland and make gas prices spike and all this blah, blah, blah. I just kind of was like, all right, well, that sets the tone. Like you guys are going to try to be the the defenders of the energy sector and the ones who want to try to hold BC to account. But I don't know if people are buying it. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean I don't
0: see – obviously her goal in all of this is to win Calgary because she needs seats in Calgary to take the election. Right. Either she needs seats in Calgary or she yes. needs a bunch of rural seats. Right. Or every seat in uh, Red Deer and Lethbridge yes. and Medicine Hat that you could maybe win without Calgary. If you got all of those things and a few. Yeah. She needs 44 yeah. seats. Yeah. So she got 26 in, in uh, Edmonton that they won solidly by a majority. They might be able to pick up a few more in the surrounding neighborhoods around Edmonton and, uh, and what have you. And then they're going to have to find another 10 or 15 somewhere else. So, so clearly she's trying to, you know, get the, the oil vote, uh, cause I think the rural vote's pretty much gone. She knows that she's not going to win that. So Calgary's probably her best bet, but I don't know. I don't know. Calgary's way too blue, I think. There might be like one seat, maybe one, maybe two seats in Calgary that would be like the the inner city guys who now want to be all you know special and progressive and that kind of thing. They might consider, you know, going NDP, but that's about it, I think.
1: Yeah, I could see Joe Sisi being reelected yeah, here, yeah. but but I yeah yeah I think that I, I'm just going to go with what I've been saying all along. I, I I really think that these these guys are cruising to you know Kenny's going to be the next premier and I don't think it's going to be that much of a surprise on election night. But so the so the question um, then is is what does Kenny have to do to lose? Oh, uh, I think it's got to be like a major blowout. Like he's not as as prone to bozo eruptions or or bozo gas. Like I was surprised when Prentice made so many, you know, the look in the mirror thing. Um and the, the 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 real tragedy in the in in Prentice's you know election loss, uh, math is hard by the way, like, oh my mm. god, basically patting Rachel Notley on top of the head during a debate. Um but I think that the real tragedy in all that was that he he actually delivered the like you know bitter pill budget that the province needed at the time that had some tax increases. Um but all of the stuff that that they're gonna criticize Kenny for. Like the social, uh, uh, like if he's socially regressive, like on 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 social policies, uh, the flat tax, like you know, I I think they'll probably try to reintroduce a flat tax. All of the stuff that the NDP will criticize him on is stuff that the progressive conservatives were never punished for anyway. Explain, like, do you know what I mean? Okay, well, look, the the when we talk about like homophobic policy in this province, right, like the. Um, the the PCs, I think it was under Stelmac brought in Bill 44, right? Which like we're going back quite a ways here. This goes like way before gay-straight alliances and all this stuff. But that was actual like homophobic legislation. So that when the conservatives, when the PCs were calling the Wild Rose bigots, they were guilty themselves of like the most – like anti-gay piece of legislation that this province had at the time. So it was kind of laughable then. But my point is, is that the PCs weren't tossed out for, you know, their social policy, like for, for, for um, their stance on social issues. They were tossed out for being pricks, like for, you know, for Alison Redford abusing the taxpayers resources and like taking airplanes uh, wherever she wanted to go and flying first class to South Africa. Like they offended people. And then the fix for that was Jim Prentice who came in and like I said before, patted Rachel Notley on the head and um, you know, told Albertans, you know, you gotta look in the mirror, it's your fault that we're, you know, in debt now and all this stuff. And like people were just like, All right, well go screw yourself then. We don't want tricks running this <laughs> province and they accidentally elected the NDP. <laughs> But they weren't punished for the social stuff, so Kenny can do all that, you know, uh, uh, whatever the NDP will call it, outing gay kids, and like they can do all the social stuff. No one's punishing the PCs for that.
0: So is that going to be the playbook then? Again, this election, uh, pretty similar to what happened last time. Like we know for a fact that the NDP have, you know, they they've got people that they've hired to go on Twitter and. Raise a fuss and uh, start targeting certain issues and get a bunch of retweets so that that seems to be what the conversation is. And I suspect that if the PCs are in any way smart or the UCP is in any way smart, they probably got the same thing happening on the other side. So so is that going to be the battleground? Is it going to be social politics once again? Is it going to be all you know, gay straight alliances and how dare you. And, Oh, should we maybe talk about abortion a little bit guys? Is it is like, is that what we're <laughs> but
1: that's heading towards here? No. Or? Like, no, I don't think so. That's a the abortions outside the provincial jurisdiction.
0: Well, I understand that, that. But I, what I, I'm yeah. asking is that, is that, is that going to be the battleground? Is that going to be what the NDP is going to start throwing up and trying to get people to talk about? Don't, don't elect oh, Kenny so. because he's anti-gay and he's, you know, pro abortion or anti-abortion sorry and you know he's gonna you know take care of those gay people boy
1: uh yeah listen i i think you're i think that's exactly what they should do and i think that's what they will likely do but if i'm jason kenny i hope he's got smart enough people around him to say like always accuse her of of trying to distract from what the real problem is which is the economy so whenever that stuff comes up just always accuse her of like listen I know you want to have that battle. It's not something that's that we're fighting about. What the problem in this province is is that you've put us nine billion dollars in debt or whatever the number is going to be, and people are out of work. So why don't you uh, defend yourself against the crimes that you've actually committed instead of trying to accuse me falsely of ones I haven't?
0: So then, what happens in that kind of a environment where each side is taking a different lane as far as what the argument's going to be? How, like, is it the first one who flinches and jumps into the other lane to start defending themselves or?
1: Well, listen, the NDP is going to have to defend their record on the economy. So they'll spin it however they can, right? Um, and you know, I'm sure that they'll, that they'll use some of the stats that talk about like job, you know, how job numbers, uh, were up in Calgary for a certain time and ignore the fact that wages were down and, and, you know, all this blah, blah, blah. But, um, no, I just, I, I think that, it's, see, like, it's, it's, it's kind of the mistake that I think Hillary Clinton's camp made and what they, why they ultimately lost to Donald Trump was because they made it all about, like, I'm a woman and, and, uh, you know we can't have this monster in the White House, and like we have to uh, set a higher standard for our behavior and stuff like that. Like I, I was watching that stuff going. Doesn't anybody give a shit about like some forty-five year old guy in in like middle America who's really worried about his coal job or something like that? Like fuck, talk to that guy because he doesn't give a shit if the president's a man or a woman. He just wants a paycheck next week. Absolutely, yeah. and I. I Yeah. Like I always, I always say this and and I think this is getting too cliche with me and I got to come up with a new nursery rhyme, but I always say that like the economy is going to affect, like doesn't care if you're gay or straight. So there's a whole lot of people that can't stand Kenny, but they, you know, they're gay and they own a bakery or whatever they do, whatever their business is, who might just go like, well, fuck, I'd rather have him than her because she's really hurt my pocketbook and my ability to retire and, you know, Wherever I want to. Return. Well, it also strikes me too that a lot of the places where we see
0: the discussion happening, uh, Twitter for sure, Reddit a hundred percent tend to be a little more progressive leaning, tend to be younger, tend to be your, you know, your college students in that who are, you know, rapidly un- in the NDP camp. So it's interesting that like if you go to something like our Calgary or our Al, our Alberta and you have any kind of discussion about um, politics? Any kind of right-wing viewpoint is getting trashed. Anything on the left wing is getting upvoted to the heavens, kind of thing. But you know, then, with, then when the election comes, if their side doesn't win, that's going to be that whole like, you know, this is going to be a bubble, right?
1: Assuming yeah. things go that the way that we're suspecting they will. So here, let me just kind of toss this in, but one of the things that I love most about being abroad was that, um, you know, I could dress however I wanted to and no one could give me any shit. (laughs) Now, one of the things I liked about being away, okay, is that I was out of the news cycle. Like I wasn't reading stuff about Trudeau every day and like, you know, losing my mind. Um, although John Iveson in the national post wrote something that I, that apparently Trudeau's, um, charm initiative is what may have staved off these, uh, steel sanctions Mm. or whatever steel tariffs. So I'm like, all right, well, if that's the case, I guess I got to tip my hat to the guy. Um, you know, it's like, uh, it's like Wayne Gretzky banking the puck in off the other winger. (laughs) He's going to get lucky sometimes, but anyway, I, I digress. My point is, is that, um, I didn't, I didn't rant about politics. Like I didn't sit there stewing about how shitty the prospects are in my home province. Like I just kind of got on with stuff. So I, I remember being in like my first, you know, out on my own job in, in Vancouver. And like every time I went around the corner, I had something to complain about. It was always going back to the NDP government and Ujjal Dosanj and like, you know, why are these pricks making my life so difficult? And then over time, I realized that like, I want to do that less and less. So I think there's like an age when you really want to get on Twitter and when you really want to get on Reddit and spout off your opinions. And then as time goes on, you just realize <laughs> like, I'd rather drink a beer and watch hockey. Well, it, Does that yeah, make sense? absolutely.
0: And I think the other part too is that you know, these again, I'm I'm picking on them, but let's say these 20 year old or these 23 year old voters. Right. They haven't been through the disillusionment of having your party voted in and then watching them as they, you know, fuck everything up or as they do exactly the opposite of what they said they were going to do. Right. They haven't been burned enough right. to know that you don't put your hand on the stove anymore so you know so i'm sitting here going okay well yeah you guys can, oh yes no the ndp is they're by far the best government that Alberta's has ever had for sure they are guys no they do everything right nothing wrong absolutely
1: you're right <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah you know i mean i always whenever we like i i don't know if this is just my guilty conscience or what but there's just as many kind of inexperienced dummies on the oh yes yes who, yeah, and so I mean, I just always sort of, you know, feel like I don't want to be one of those Fox News pundits who doesn't believe that same virus exists in his own body. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been interesting. I've been I've but, been adding um, users to the uh, or uh, followers to the the Twitter on National Talkie. And it'll be like, oh yeah, hey, we're you know, I'm an uh, Ontarian, and I'm a support the PC party. I'm like, okay, you're on board, and and I'm this or so like it's whoever asks to be, of course, right? Because they follow you, so you decide if you're yeah. going to follow them back. And then I'll go on there, and then it'll be like, yeah, see, Trump's right about everything, and I'm like, whoa, hang on, I think you're maybe a little too far over to that side. <laughs> Trying to cultivate Ah, that user base so we don't have any crazy on either side of the aisle,
1: right? Centrist only. Yeah, yeah, I I don't know, man. I mean I I saw what the Alberta Party did in electing Stephen Mandel and I just kind of like – it was a facepalm moment for me. It was sort of like the Alberta Party's whole thing. Like, hey, cool. We're not the old white man
0: party. Oh, shit. (laughs) Well, and again, so you go on Reddit and they were like, oh, this is the best case scenario for the NDP. And I was like, what? What are are you talking about? How is that the best case scenario for the NDP?
1: Uh, Is the notion that they've got a legitimate vote splitter now on the right that that Stephen – I guess like, that's what I, I think that yeah. it's, it's, it's only going to be a good thing for the NDP if we can get 87 candidates. And I think that's going to be quite a job. Yeah. I
0: mean, you know, if you look at that, like, no, nothing against the Alberta party, but judging from the past, they, they literally elected one person in the last election. I mean, they're up to three seats now, but that's because apparently in Alberta, you could just toss your you're in with whoever the hell you want on a regular basis we constantly have people just switching parties like it's not a thing you know half of the right. half of the official opposition was not elected for the party that they are currently sitting with so
1: and you're yeah right exactly and that was a real problem quite some actually, time actually sorry the
0: different. entire opposition is no longer sitting for the party they were elected for right because no one's actually yeah, been elected. Oh, wait, there's one person who's been. Jason Kenny is the only person Jason who has Kenney actually is been one. elected as a UCP member.
1: <laughs> and then you've got you've got um some I don't you have some people in the NDP caucus who came from the PCs, which were like public enemy number one or something. I don't know. It's weird. We have such oh, a our, weird – or buddy Sandra. Right that's bizarre. Yeah, that's who I'm talking yeah. about, yeah.
0: Who, who um, constantly decries no. people for, for spouting vitriol. But man, if you can find a Twitter account that spouts more of it than her is I'll give you a dollar.
1: She is. Yeah. She's a bit, there's something I, I've always said that you gotta be a little off kilter to be in politics. And I think that, that she uh, fits the bill. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, there, there's the funny thing about like when Greg Clark, you know, pulled what I thought was a pretty interesting, uh, stunt when he stepped down. Right. And he said like, we're going to, we're going to have a leadership race. I thought that, that he did that, um, that it worked well to get the headline and like the Alberta party kind of needed to, you know, throw the football up and they did that. And now here we are, we've got Steven Mandela and I don't think he's the inspiring leader that that party was really hoping for, um, But hey, that's who they've selected. And now guess where the Alberta party is? Once (laughs) again, having to fight tooth and nail to get any kind of press. Because why are you going to like watch, you know, it's like Hulk Hogan and, and Andre the giant are in the ring together. Uh, you can cast Rachel Notley as whichever one of those wrestlers you like. Uh, they're, they're in the ring together. And like we're supposed to be watching Bobby the brain Heenan. Is my wrestling analogy going to be okay here? (laughs) There's like one person who got that. They're going to send me an email. It's just going to say, slow clap.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. See, again, I see a lot of people on the left going, yeah, this is it. They're going to split that right vote again because there's a lot of socially progressive, you know, conservative voters that won't vote for Kenny because he's anti gay and he's, you know. He's against abortion and that kind of thing. And I'm kind of like, I don't know. I haven't seen a whole lot of that yet. Uh, Maybe that is the case, but I'm not seeing a whole lot of it yet. And I don't honestly think there's going to be a big split in the right this time. I think enough people got burned hard enough last time that they're going to be like, nope, we're not doing that again.
1: Yeah, it'll be. I wonder if it'll be. Well, yeah, it'll be actually really interesting because I was at the debate last time. I don't know if anybody remembers, but I was the one who asked a really boring question, and I also gasped audibly when Jim Prentice said math is difficult on uh, on television, and I had to check myself and be like, "Oh my god, <laughs> that, I think he just fucked the whole election up for the PCs." That was amazing. See, if you had uh, said anyway. that, we'd have a YouTube clip. <laughs> I was sitting beside Vashi Capellos and I just like stared over at her and she's like, you know, doing her job, like being Vashi Capellos and like doing a kick-ass job being Mm Vashi. And I just seriously wanted to go like, is there any point? No. Sorry. Wait, no, no. no. I'm still thinking about about Vashi. So just quiet for a second. Stop it. Okay, I'm done. (laughs) And I seriously wanted to like talk to them and be like, is there any fucking point continuing this? Like, I really think it's over now. Anyway. But anyway, the point I was bringing up, though, is that we had Rachel Notley, Jim Prentice, David Swan um, and uh, 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 Brian Jean on that panel, like on as debaters. Greg Clark, there was a big like conversation about whether or not Greg Clark should be allowed to be there, um, given that the Alberta Party had no seats, but they did have a leader and they were certainly running. So anyway, long story short, the debate sucked because you had to hear from. Um, well, at the time, I was like, well, we have to hear from Rachel Notley. We have to hear from David Swan, and that's like half the debate, and now we're not going to get to the issues. Little did I know at the time that Jim Prentice was going to basically hand it to her that <laughs> night. But my point is, is that I want to see like two people. Like I want to see some fisticuffs, and I think we'll actually get that when it's Kenny versus Notley, and you won't ha- have to deal with like the other parties. Well, and
0: so that's the question is – uh did they come up with a solution as to how many seats one needs to get into the debate or – because Alberta's got three. Liberals I, have one, right?
1: Yeah. But look, let me put it this way. Let me be like – people want there to be rules in this sandbox and there's a huge problem here, OK? It's it's probably that Global is going to po- uh, spend the money to do the debate again, OK? And they're going to share it with CTV and uh the CBC should they choose to air it. So they should – that's the consortium. They should decide. Yeah. They, don't, they have no obligation whatsoever to, to fairness or equality, which aren't necessarily the same thing. They should basically look at it and go, what's going to make for a TV show about politics in this election that people are going to watch? Because I'll tell you what, David Swan, all he did was waste air in that mm. debate like there was no reason whatsoever to have they they weren't a legitimate contender to do anything he didn't even want to be the leader of the party it was appalling that he even like got a podium there
0: i would not be shocked if they got zero seats this year i wouldn't be shocked if they oh, if fine. they even said you know what we don't care for the leader of the party we're still not voting you in why
1: would they why would you vote for the liberals i can i can't <laughs> like think if of if a you're single end off the ucp <laughs> Yeah. Like why would, it's insane to me, but anyway, we should,
0: uh, when that happens, I wonder if we could, uh, live stream maybe on our site. I don't know how that works, but we should, we should, cause you can't, you can't record a podcast and then, you know, sync it up with the debate. Cause no one's going to want to watch the debate twice, but someone might put the debate on and we could sort of, you know, wisecrack our way through the thing. I think that might be fun. Uh, I am down with that. I think that's a, that's a capital idea. just don't know. We'll have to figure out how to do it. I mean, I guess it was just creating an audio stream live to our website that people can listen
1: into. Right. I I think we should just go to someone's house. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll watch the debate with you. We'll crack wise the whole time.
0: Yes. That would be a lot of fun to do. Uh, yeah, we keep, we keep hinting that we're going to do something, but you and I actually need to sit down and get on making that happen. National Talkie League, podcasting into the future. Okay, let's talk about Spain.
1: Okay, you want to talk about Spain? See, that's the funny thing is I listened to the podcast that you and and Ken did, and you were talking in your Spanish. And I got to say, literally no one over there sounds like...
0: (laughs) (laughs) No one sounds like a bad uh, Spanish stereotypical, uh, slightly uh, feminine-sounding
1: Spanish guy is what you're saying? no one but but the problem is is that I was there for like three weeks then I listened to your podcast and then I wished everybody sounded like that I was like this country <laughs> would be way better if everyone sounded <laughs> what does everybody sound like well first of list? all like, they talk really fast right and um they've got that lift like they do have a lift that you are talking you're about doing the your same accent we were doing no, now. <laughs> I know but they don't they don't put on like a theatrical lift when they're speaking English you know because when they're speaking English, they're just struggling with the language. So right. you go in there and they're like, uh, "Can you tell me uh, how to get to the beach?" The uh, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I nailed it. Um, no, but it was it was fun. So I, there's a couple observations that I made while I was over there that I think Canada could do, mm-hmm. and I wanted to share these observations with you. That just just ideas that we should import from Spanish culture.
0: Nothing that I love more than people from other countries telling me what we're doing wrong, baby. Bring it on. <laughs> okay.
1: So the first one is: everywhere I went in in Malaga, the city that that we lived in for the month, um, every time you'd go for a beer, I, be, sorry, order... I believe it's pronounced Maralago. <laughs> it is. It is Malaka. It is a uh, what am I call? What am I trying to say? A Moorish name. It was a kingdom, Malaka. Um, anyway, yeah. So you'd go into a bar and you'd just say to the bartender, dos canas, por favor, or dos canetas por favor. So two cans of like two small beers and they would serve you like 200 milliliters of beer for like a euro, like a dollar 30 or whatever it was. Right. And I thought to myself, like, look, I like pints just fine, but there's something to be said about like just getting a little bit of beer, like with your lunch, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, you and I have talked about this, I think, before. Now, are these beers cold or are they warm? Oh, they're cold, ice cold on tap. See, because you and I had this discussion where we talked about the concept of the pitcher, right? They'll bring a pitcher to your table, and people are like, yeah, let's get the pitcher. And I'm like, that's just warm beer waiting to happen. <laughs> right. What I want is the smallest glass you can possibly serve me ice cold and just keep bringing them. And then my beer is always cold. The bigger the glass, the bigger the pint the more likely it is to get warm while I'm drinking it. Continue.
1: And I think that's just it. But it's also true that sometimes, like, you just don't want to have a pint. You know, like, my wife and I will go to the pub from time to time, and she'll say, like, she'll have a pint. We'll both have a pint. And then she'll look at the waitress and say, do you have a half pint? Because she doesn't want an entire second beer on a Sunday at 2 o'clock. And the waitress says, "No, we just have pints." And then she'll say, "Okay, I'll have a glass of water then." Like, get a smaller glass, and I'll give you three bucks. But mm-hmm. like, what the f is wrong with this? I can place? serve you two half pints, and you could just leave one. <laughs> yeah, or it's like, okay, bring us one pint; we'll share a beer. Like, whatever. But the, the 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 other part of the beer culture there is that like there are there are more small bars, right? So like a like a bar will have a seating capacity of like twenty and that's just unheard of here. So like the ship and anchor for example in Spain would be subdivided into like four different bars or five <laughs> different bars, right? And you would just go to each one. You'd go to the first one to get like a piece of pizza and then this and a beer and then the second one you'd go for like the sausage stew and have a beer there. Like it's it's kind of fun. I could I could get behind that as someone who
0: has a partial hearing loss in one ear. And has desperate amounts of trouble trying to focus in on a conversation in a super loud place. I could totally get behind a place where there's only 20 people because then I can actually hear what other people are saying to me.
1: Yeah, it's – but it's just kind of a different way of dividing the pie, right? So like for example, like let's say the same block that the ship is on, Okay, You've got what? National. You've got the ship. You've got that place I think called um, Cleaver and you've got – like there's – there's, say there's six places on that, I'm guessing, OK? And they're all at capacity. So you've got – let's say you've got uh, 800, 800 people drinking on that block, right? <clears throat> it's a, it's just a different way of dividing the pie. You'd have 800 people in 40 places or whatever the case may be and it's just – it's, I don't know. I think it's neat. I, I kind of – I prefer it. And is it?
0: Would you say that there's uh? Is there chains and that kind of thing, or is it all just sort of
1: small proprietors? More small proprietors. Like there are some some restaurant or some yeah restaurants that you'll see like you know a couple different versions of or a couple different uh, franchises of I should say. But yeah, no. For the most part, it's like you know Paco's chicken place, and then yeah, whatever. Like the Lighthouse. They're they're all just like individual pubs, basically. And now
0: I'm curious because you just mentioned chains. Uh, did you spend any time at McDonald's while you were in
1: Spain? Did you go to uh, McDonald's? Yeah, we did. And uh, just a cheeseburger. You know, it's sort of like it's one of those things, right? Where you don't want to. You, you're trying to just get a quick bite, and you're you're certainly not trying to take up time experiencing food. Cause like part of the, part of the thing about like standing at the bar and eating the tapa and drinking a canya of beer is like, you're hanging out, like you're doing the thing. Right. But on a day where we're like, okay, let's just grab something to eat. And then like, let's get to the place that we're going. That's where Burger King and McDonald's come into play. So it's just like, we'll get a couple burgers to go and we'll eat them while we walk. But. And yeah. did it taste the same? Was it the
0: same experience or. Everything was the same. Did they Even have any the, specialty menu items in Spain a, at the McDonald's?
1: Yeah. They had an item called the rodeo and I didn't really bother to like investigate exactly what the rodeo was. It's made out of old horses. Clearly, <laughs> That's delicious. Hey, caballero. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, it's just sort of like you go into McDonald's and you can – like the the thing about McDonald's worldwide is that the hungry American doesn't have to struggle to eat at McDonald's. You <laughs> just roll in there. It's like cheeseburger and like it's the one word that is universally known. Cheeseburguesa. Cheeseburguesa, <laughs> por favor. <laughs> but even like there's a, a restaurant called The Good Burger there. So TGB. And there's that's another weird thing too, like tons of English store names. Yeah. And then you go in and the person doesn't speak English. And you're like, what's the name of the store? The Good Burger. And I'd like a burger. I'm Sorry, I don't. That happens over here with like French names
0: though, doesn't it? Like you get fancy upscale sounding names for your place, but the people who work there don't.
1: Uh, It's 100% correct, Dave. But it's just sort of funny to see it from the other side. Because like you you walk over to a restaurant called like Happy Dog. Or you're like, oh, how (laughs) (laughs) how pretentious. (laughs)
0: I, I was just thinking back to when we went to Australia, which is an English speaking country, but sort of the cultural differences that I experienced there, which was, uh, the very first day we landed, we, we took a cab to our hotel, uh, which was in Sydney, walked in. There was a very tiny, uh, Asian and possibly Chinese, possibly Japanese. I'm not sure. Walked up to the counter and she was like, good day. Welcome to the, and I was just like, ah. <laughs> That voice, I've never heard that voice come out of someone that looks like you before. That that's might so be racist, funny. but that's, it was honestly like, it was just kind of, it didn't insult me or offend me. It was just baffling. It
1: was like, wow, that's, I've never heard you before. I totally know what you mean. It's, that's so funny. Cause you, you have to like, oh, right. This is so surreal at this very moment. And then you, you just got to stop yourself from saying in my country, your people, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's a small beer society too. Australia serves the schooner, which is a tiny cup of beer, right?
0: <laughs> They're known for their beer and their drinking. Is there any mm-hmm. country that isn't known for, for beer drinking? We all like to say like, yeah, we can drink better than any of, But doesn't every country feel that they can drink more beer than everybody else? Uh, yeah. Like the English, right? Sure. They what like to the throw back a pint of lager, you know, but the Norwegians, they're all about their beer. I don't know. I'm just trying to think. Is there a country? I guess France would be like, oh, screw your beer. We just drink wine here. Uh, yeah, but then they've got Cronenberg, so they
1: drink their beer too.
0: We like Anakin. <laughs> we put it in a green bottle so it gets skunky faster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because it is pretentious, you know. Um. So small beer, I think, is is a, a custom from Spain that's worthy of uh, import to Canada. Um, this is one that I thought was just freaking brilliant. But on the subway in Madrid, there were two things that I noticed. One was they have signs that tell you how to use the escalator, right? Okay. And it's, it's important because the sign tells you um, don't stand too abreast on the escalator. Okay. Right. It says like stand on the right, pass on the left, and then there's the other perfunctory, you know, you know, but, or compulsory stuff like hold the handrail, you know, hold on to your kids and stuff like that. But it's basically like they showed like how not like two pictures, how not to be on the escalator, how to be on the escalator, and the most important part of the sign is don't block people who are trying to walk up the stairs because they're mobile enhanced. Like let people get through. Yeah, and I I thought like. They're not being polite about it. They're basically putting up signs that say, look, fat ass, get out of the way.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, that, that's sort of an unwritten rule here. I guess maybe the difference is that they're writing it, right? That is the difference.
1: And so like unwritten rules, let's peel off a rant here. Whoever – like if, if you say, oh, it's an unwritten rule, it clearly needs to be written. <laughs> Otherwise, it would just be the way things are and you wouldn't have to have the conversation. That's a very good point. Yeah. So they write the rules down. The other one is that on the train or the Sp- – you know what the Spanish word for train is? Is it el train? It's tren. Tren. <laughs> on the tren, um, they have they have signs that tell you not to uh, – to, to, if you're going to speak on the phone, to speak in a very, very quiet voice. And people actually do it. Like you'll hear people on the phone – On the train, but they're like this. They're like, yeah, I think I'll I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there tomorrow afternoon. I'm on the train. I can't talk loud. Yeah, I can't talk very loudly, but but here I am. I'm on the train. And it's, it's freaking perfect. I want to like steal the sign and like mass produce it and put it up all over town.
0: And then, yeah, and then I went to her place and yeah, no, I get what you're saying. She's, she's crazy that way. Yeah, no, I don't care. Oh, we're going into a tunnel. I might lose you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and that right there is every conversation ever on the C train.
0: <laughs> uh, okay. So I like I like most of these recommendations that you've made here, Roger. Uh, what else? What else has got, Spain got going on that we should be adopting?
1: Okay. This is less about what Spain does and just something that I noticed that we need to – we need to come up with two written rules, and they need to be written everywhere. And in fact, they need to be laws. And in fact, we need the death penalty back to make sure that these laws get enforced. Wow, this is getting serious. Okay, first of all, I want to I want to strike a committee on where it is appropriate to blow your nose. Okay. Or, where, where- or, or maybe we'll just we'll we'll make it easier. We'll say where it's inappropriate to blow your nose. Okay,
0: and where is it inappropriate to blow your nose?
1: Anywhere people are eating food. Huh. Okay fair and then also anywhere that people can't leave your vicinity so like blowing your nose in an elevator that's out and do they have a sign that says please blow your nose quietly (laughs) (laughs) it's like if you're going to make the sound of high velocity snot don't do it at a time when other people might not want to hear that and are they a handkerchief culture or is that just old white people still Uh, there's a bit of a handkerchief. The the old Spaniard uses the handkerchief as well, which is something I don't really understand. It's always a little gross, you know? Yeah. I'm going to put this and then you're going to reuse it too. It's like no one would reuse it. Well, mom's reuse tissues, but that's about it. Yeah. But it's like, you know, like you you blow your schnoz into that silk or whatever, and then you're going to like bundle that up and use it again. I just don't, I don't get it.
0: It's weird. Uh, my dad was a handkerchief guy. My mom would like iron his handkerchiefs and stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're being like super environmental, you should be considering using a handkerchief instead of
1: buying all that Kleenex, I guess. It shouldn't be a problem though because I should never have to notice it. That's right. True. Like if, if you want to use a handkerchief, that's fine. If I'm eating lunch near you, don't <laughs> blow your nose. This is a good point. Um Yes, I like that. Okay. Do you what have any you places to, to add to it? I don't know. If, like I, I don't obsess over this or anything like that. But if I'm ever like in a restaurant and someone blows their nose, it's like the worst thing that could ever happen to me. I, I would go to jail, guaranteed, if the combination of someone blowing their nose then receiving a phone call in a restaurant where I was dining <laughs> happened.
0: I would say maybe a cubicle. You could do it once, but if you have to keep blowing your nose, you should just go. Go to the bathroom and deal with it.
1: Yeah. Th- yeah. I just, yeah, exactly. Excuse yourself. Like go somewhere else and do it. Yeah. Because if you're, if you have to blow your
0: nose like five times, something, something stuck, you might need to go do a little, <laughs> little dig in there, you know, yeah, go,
1: okay, go burrow that thing out yourself. Just go off by yourself and take care of that. Okay. And then the next thing is ringtones, right? So okay. people. So nose blowing and ringtones. Now I want to say that the ironic uh, old timey telephone chime ringtone needs to go away permanently. (laughs) Like that should just be – that
0: should not exist. Okay. So my phone I believe has a ringtone, but I don't think I've ever had it unsilenced. Occasionally if my youngest child steals my phone, it will – he'll turn the – the the speaker on so that he can listen to some game or something. Uh but I don't even know what my ringtone sounds like, to be honest. Right.
1: I don't either. If if you turned my phone off vibrate and it rang, I wouldn't I wouldn't know it by its ringtone.
0: Oh I bet you would, because your ringtone would be <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't talk right now.
1: <laughs> if I had a, you know what I think everybody's ringtone should sound like the um the sound of, of the subway or the LRT pulling into the station <laughs> where it's just like, gong, gong. <laughs> <laughs> what if it was your,
0: if everyone had their ringtone uh, and it was just either you or, you know, your spouse or something like that saying, Roger, Roger, it's you, it's for you. And then mine would be Dave, Dave, it's for you. And you'd always know, you'd always know. Before.
1: right? <laughs> um, do you remember the phone like the cordless phones uh that would tell you what the number is or or the person who's calling? Actually Siri does that. Call from Dave where Yeah, we have so- a
0: we have an old school answering machine that says call from Alberta. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz that's all. The only people that phone now are Alberta and uh sometimes New York.
1: Yeah. So I want to then um, have an outright ban on ringtones, uh, they're unnecessary. And I think that the, the, wor- the, the bad thing about ringtones is not so much that they're unnecessary. Like, you know, the point of having a mobile phone is that you can have it on you. And even when mine's on silent, I know when it's ringing from across the house. Maybe that's my superpower. But uh, the, the thing is, is that people try to get like really clever with the ringtone. And that's just annoying to the whole world except for that person.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, because just the fact that your phone is blaring something out is annoying to start with.
1: And if it's clever
0: in any way, then it's doubly annoying.
1: Yeah. Now, if you see someone in public using the speakerphone to talk, right, like I this this actually bewilders me. I I don't so much want to retaliate against these people as I do want to, like, capture them in netting and then put them in a laboratory where I can study them. Because I need to know why, you know, a hundred years or so after the telephone was built with clearly devices that one you hold to your ear and another to your mouth, why people have just abandoned the holding it to your ear thing and broadcasting what's supposed to be a private conversation.
0: I think what we need to do to solve this problem is that the same way that if you see smoke. Pouring out of a house, you pick up the phone and call 911 or you yell fire. If you see someone anywhere in public holding their phone sideways and talking into it, you walk up, you slap it out of their hand and you shout monster. <laughs> and then everyone will turn and look, see that their phone's on the ground and go, oh, that fucker was talking on a speaker. That should be how it goes. Every single time you see it, you slap it out of their hand and you shout monster. See, I, I agree with
1: you because I want people to be trained out of this bad habit, right? It's like this you know, the, the kid gloves approach, it doesn't really get you anywhere. You need to know that if you're using your phone on speakerphone, it's open season. People can wreck your and your your iPhone and you will have no recourse whatsoever. I like it. I like it a lot.
0: Alternately you could just join in the conversation. Because they are on speaker. So you could just yeah. stand – anytime you see someone doing that, if you don't want to hurt their phone or if you're worried about that, just go stand next to them and just start conversing with whoever said, hey, who's this?
1: <laughs> There's the guy who did that on, on, you, on his YouTube channel, right, where he would uh, go sit down next to people who were, who were taking phone calls in the airport and they would say something and then he would just like fill in what he thought the other side of the dialogue <laughs> was and he would irritate them and they would take notice. And he'd just be like, what? I'm on the phone. Like, I'm just having a phone call over here. What's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. Like, do I have enough to, to to create like a platform here? I really honestly think that if, if a premier ever tried to run on this shit, smaller beer and no ringtones, like that would carry some weight.
0: Just need that like, okay, I know that the three minutes in the debate here are supposed to be spent uh, rebutting my uh, opponent's point. But here's the thing, guys. Smaller beers, they'll stay colder longer. This is what I want, the 200-milliliter beer. Also, you see someone talking on a speakerphone, smack the thing out of their hand, point at him and shout, monster. That's it. I'm done.
1: Uh, you still have uh, two and a half minutes.
0: Don't need it. Uh, Guys, I want to sing something together or what? We'll be in for two <laughs> minutes here.
1: Guys, go get a beer. I'll be here when you get back. <laughs> hey, check this out. I can uh, balance my shoe on my chin. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Can you imagine the
0: balls it would take to do that? Because that's the YouTube <laughs> clip the next day, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. You'd That'd steal the debate. Amazing. How do we do this, man? I mean, this is the second segment in a row. We were having a perfectly good time talking about little beers and ringtones, and now we're talking about politics and debates again. It needs to end. <laughs> and yet, and yet,
0: Roger, somehow we managed to lose the Best of Calgary, Best Podcast in Calgary award to a podcast that did not release a new episode in the entire year that it was nominated for. What did we uh, is that over already? Yes, the uh the strategists posted something on their Twitter account about how they had won. So, that's fantastic. Good for them. Yes, we, we lost to someone who didn't compete. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's even better. That's the best way to lose. I hope we came in third then. Yeah, I don't I don't know if they do results even. I haven't seen any, I haven't seen the official things posted, but I just happened to see that, and and Trevor, our buddy Trevor, too, was like, "What the hell? How did, you
1: guys didn't even do an episode!" And I was like, "Wow, I guess we should feel bad?" Question mark. That's too funny. And the Stanley Cup champions, the Colorado Rockies. <laughs> the California Golden Seals <laughs> won once again this year. The Montreal Expos are going to win the World Series, I believe. This year's Best
0: Picture Oscar goes to, oh, it's the Godfather once again. (laughs) Wait, that's what they should do. Not to get off on a tangent here, but that's what the Best Picture should be, right? So what what won Best Picture last year? It
1: was was Moonlight. No, it was was La La Land. No, it wasn't. I'm pretty sure. (laughs)
0: No, no, I know I'm pretty they sure. said that. But no, then Dave they changed Bush. their minds. They
1: <laughs> said La La Land. I agreed. I shut it off. <laughs> That's when the show ended. And what are you trying to tell me? Moonlight one? <laughs> so, so so this
0: year it was the the Shape of Water one this year. Yeah. And so what should have to happen is not only do the voters have to choose the best one from this year, but then on the spot, they should also have to determine, was this year's best pi- best picture better than last year's best picture? And if not,
1: that picture gets to win it again. You've got it where it's like a, a, a celebrity death match every year.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, because so, it's like, this is still the best performance. Was anything better than it this year? Nope. Okay, that one's still the best. Until something comes along and beats it. That's your high watermark.
1: Now, I think you're the wrong guy to ask because I, I really think you're going to lean heavily towards The Godfather, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the odds are pretty good, but OK, go for it.
1: Is there any film that, that you think contended as best picture? So again, to, re- to reiterate the rules is that a, a, a film is, is named best picture and then they immediately compare it to the existing high watermark to see if it, if it takes over top spot.
0: Right. So I think I'm both going to please and disappoint you when I say that uh, the one that could possibly take out the Godfather
1: would be the Godfather Part Two. Okay, yeah. I was going to say it must be there. <laughs> uh, now, w- 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 would there be a close one like Blood Drawn and maybe they got all the way through the championship rounds, the Godfather Two or Godfather versus The Departed?
0: Uh, well, see the departed is just a pale, pale comparison to those two, but, um, no, I mean, I'm sure if I sat here and thought about it, yeah, I mean the Godfather is great, but it's not the only thing movie awards are stupid to start with. Right. Correct. Yes, Cause you're comparing completely vastly different things and saying that one's better and it's just based on popularity. Or the people that are making those movies are choosing those things. Like best cinematography, you can say, this person used a camera more effectively. I guess you'd say best picture, this person told a story more effectively. But people are telling very different stories in very different styles. It's like if they took every kind of music and said, this one's the best, right? You, know, you have your country music awards, you have your rap awards, you have your rock awards. But this one's the best. And I guess they do that at the Grammys, too.
1: Yeah. The Grammys, I think are like all the award shows are really quite stupid. But, you know, I look at figure skating, right? And for as, as silly as I think figure skating is as an athletic competition, it gets beautiful. Is it a sport? I don't think it is, but at least they say, okay, your routine has to be no longer than this and no shorter than this. You have to do this many jumps. There are compulsory things that you have to work into it. No one's doing that with the award, with the films. No one's going, okay, 90 minutes to two hours. Nothing over, nothing under, you, you know, it's got to start Glenn Close. Like no one's doing that. You need to have three pan shots,
0: two yep. zooms and four dollies during the movie.
1: Can we like, has anyone ever effectively made the public understand exactly what cinematography is?
0: Uh, I'm sure people have. Cause if like were- every
1: time that award comes up, it's a joke, isn't it? Well, no, not to
0: true cinema fans probably not there's good cinematographers like there's guys you bring this guy in and your chances of winning an award just went up radically right
1: okay but I mean I guess my point let me preface everything I say from this point on on this topic with I don't know what that word means
0: (laughs) (laughs) but this is this sounds like it's the same conversation we had when you said well no one goes to a movie just because of the director (laughs) and I immediately went oh I do that all the time (laughs) (laughs) um cinematography is the way the film is shot the cinematographer sets up the shot sets up the visual that you see sets up the lighting is is in charge of making sure the lighting uh brings the picture the frame that he wants to get the director says this is what needs to happen in the scene the We have two guys, they're talking, they're walking down the hall while they're talking. The cinematographer is in charge of placing the camera in such a way that he captures the shot and makes it look good. Right. That's if I had to describe it,
1: that's what I would say. Sure. He's responsible for the visual. Okay, fair enough. I guess I would equate that to like, you know, saying that the best cab driver – is like based on the guy who gets you to your destination alive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, but okay. So, but there's like, there's, there's pedestrian cinematography, right? You set up the camera, you lock it in one position. There's two people standing there talking, right? And then there's cinematographers that go out of their way to make things look interesting or special. So the best, the first example of amazing cinematography that comes to mind is, uh, is Citizen Kane. And, that's because they did so many interesting and different, like they pushed the boundaries. Like, what if we did this? What if we did that? Okay. Now, every shot in cinema in in Citizen Kane uh, has probably been on The Simpsons at least twice, right? People, young people who go and watch Citizen Kane, they're like, oh, I've seen that. Oh, I've seen that. Oh, I've seen that. Because all those shots have been redone and parodied and, you know, because they're so iconic, right? Right. So by today's standards, it all looks sort of pedestrian and whatever. But when it came out, it was kind of mind blowing that, you know, oh, we're going to put the camera in the floor so that when the person walks by, they walk past the camera instead of just shooting them from waist level or from right. eye level or whatever. Because what, what year is that
1: movie? Isn't it like 38 or something? Citizen
0: like Kane was, uh yeah, my gut says early 40s, but you could absolutely be right. I'm going to look it up while we talk because sure. I need to know.
1: Cause like whenever you watch black and white films of that era, it's basically like you could see the entire room and the camera just didn't move. You know, you just saw people talking and then they'd get closer to create tension, but the camera was pretty static.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, 1941,
1: by the way, nah nicely done. Yeah.
0: God, just about got it. Um, you know, but the, and then the next sort of, thing that pops in my head when I think cinematography is, is those films of the seventies. When, when the auteur movement came in, which was basically the director who gets to do whatever the hell he wants and nobody tells him otherwise. Right. So he comes in and he sets everything up and he decides how this is going to work and what's going to happen here. And so you get your godfathers and your deer hunters and, and that kind of thing. And that's where film really, I think blossomed and became its own thing. And for my dollar, we still haven't gotten back there yet.
1: No, that's. I think that's the golden age of porn. Of <laughs> cinema. <laughs> the 1970s. Yeah.
0: So, I don't know. What, you got any other movie questions? Anything else? Uh, Black Panther doing lots of dollars at the, the cinema right now. Fourth uh, biggest movie, I think, ever now or something like that.
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I want to go see that movie. Um, I hate how politicized that movie got it's just it's too bad because i think that you know that one of the fun things about comic book movies is that you should just get to go see them without having there be any (laughs) sort of like pretense to it whatsoever because i saw the trailer for that and i was like that looks like a really kick-ass movie and then i knew it's like oh it's called fucking Black Panther. So now it's white people and black people. And oh my God, this is just going to be so painful to have to sit through. And it happened. Everything I predicted was yeah. going to occur with that movie. I mean, you didn't have to be terribly prescient to see it coming, but well, I the discussion kind of now is,
0: is it going to outgross, uh, infinity war, which is the big sort of culmination of all the Marvel movies that comes out right. in April. Is it going to make more money than Black Panther? Well, Black Panther's box office was of course, heavily preloaded because you had all these celebrities buying up, you know, theater so that all the, the kids could go and see the black hero, which nothing wrong with that. I'm, I think that's fantastic. Uh, but that's going to be interesting is, are they going to be able to outdo themselves now?
1: Um, yeah. Are there going to be people? I'm trying to make a Hulk joke here, but I got nothing. (laughs) I was trying really hard. But I think I, I literally think I pulled my spleen trying to make a Hulk joke right now. <laughs> hey, um, congratulations to us, by the way, for not talking about James Bond movies for like mm-hmm. so many podcasts. I might have just oh. broken the streak right now.
0: No, actually, I talk. I asked Ken just to, just for Brian. I asked Ken. All right,
1: I heard about that his favorite James
0: Bond movies. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that suddenly became a thing. I think that's just Twitter. That's just Twitter talking, there, Roger. We right. The problem is there's been no new Bond news for quite some time. Right. There was and- a discussion that perhaps um that we were gonna get maybe a Christopher Nolan uh Bond film. He's claiming he's not doing it now, so I don't know where we're at. I mean he kind of did his his uh short Bond film in in the middle of Inception. Right. Right? The ski scene was basically his this is my audition for a Bond film. And his it was absolutely. Yeah, his tribute to spy who loved me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and a bit of on your Majesty's or on Secret Service, I would
1: say too. Mm-hmm. Because right. we could talk about Bond. Oh, we could. No, we can't. In fact, we have to have a, the, our German voiceover artist stop us from doing that immediately. National Talkie League, the only podcast that matters. There's two burning issues, but we're running out of time on this episode. So I just want to take like take a warning shot. <laughs> On the first one, which is a bit of a pun, but this guy in Okotoks, the farmer who I guess shot at some alleged thieves on his property, and then he was met with applause outside the courtroom. This is one of the only local stories that I followed when I was away. And the thing I read was the RCMP warning farmers not to like draw firearms on people. And all I could think of was we're getting the conversation wrong. We should be warning people not to break into other people's farms because they might get shot and killed.
0: Yeah, if you're telling farmers, hey, don't fire warning shots and don't take out small arms when someone's invading your property, for lack of a better term. Aren't you also literally saying, hey, people who are invading
1: some farmer's property, it's
0: going to be cool. Don't worry about it. They're not going to shoot
1: you. Yeah, no, 100% 100 agree. I I really think, by the way, it's important that. I mean, Trudeau is 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 booting this whole gun bill and and forgetting that there's so much rurality in this country of ours. But um, I really think that we just need to change the conversation to when you steal tractors, sometimes you get shot and killed. So stop doing that; it's a bad idea.
0: Well, and it's so it's 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 definitely a gray issue. It's not one of these black and white issues that we talk about uh, sometimes because when you look at it, yeah, there's a you know no we're not advocating for anybody to be killed and you don't want to hear about someone being killed uh, for stealing something. But at the same time, you know, you're living out there on the farm and, you know, four dudes, gigantic dudes show up, start getting out of their SUV and walking towards your car or your farmhouse or whatever. What are you supposed to do then? Right. I'm not saying you should immediately open fire and kill the ball, but at the same time, if that threat that something bad might happen to them does not exist, then they have free reign to wander your property at night and take whatever they want. Is that what we're advocating?
1: Right. Um, secondary suites is the other big issue. I got a letter in the mail that basically said, hey, Roger, we know you own a house and um, we're thinking about raising their property value. Oh, no. Sorry. That's just how I, how I interpreted it. It said, hey, hey. um, We're thinking about changing the rules so that if you wanted to have a secondary suite on your property, you didn't have to stand before city council. You could just go to like city hall and apply. And then somebody would determine whether or not you're, you could, you know, be allowed to do that. And I thought, Hey, this is way better than me having to hear people bitch and gripe that somebody wants to have a basement suite on their, on your block.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I am uh, in a hundred percent agreement with you. Um, I am not a fan of just saying, yeah, everyone can have whatever kind of suite they want. Cause that will clearly lead to death and injury and complaints. But as you said, the people who are in charge of it are the people at city hall who are already dealing with it. Most of the time, I see no problem with that. Why are we wasting city council's time discussing whether, you know, Mary can have a secondary suite in her place in Pine
1: Ridge or not. I don't care. Right. So the, th- Here's what strikes me though about this conversation. And admittedly, I got kind of sucked into the the Reddit, um, you know, wormhole on this one. But you would think that the decision is that the city council is up against here is how can we force all Calgarians to, to have an up to code secondary suite on their property? and then to rent that secondary suite to really shitty tenants. <laughs> like it, if you just only read the comments, you'd think that's what the story is. There's all these people who think the sky is falling and their their road is going to be just covered in derelict vehicles the moment that this that this uh, policy has changed, as though every single Calgarian is just dying to have tenants beneath them. It's so funny. Well, and the more we cover – civic
0: issues the more it occurs to me that uh 80 of people have no fucking idea what they're talking about most of the time right you bring up the public art debate is a great example right so i'm reading some comments on the web and people are like well they should uh when they do that they should set aside a certain amount of money that they can spend on like i don't think they should be able to spend as much as they want i think they need a cap of some kind On that budget, and you're like, Yeah, you moron, they did that, that's done already. Well, and I think before they give it to someone, they should have a panel of some kind that determines whether the art piece should go ahead. Yeah, yeah, okay. (laughs) I think our garbage should be separated into recycling and composting and regular garbage, yeah. OK. OK. <laughs> I'm going to go have some ice cream.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Dana Gold um, solution. No, it's like I, – I don't know. I don't know how you're supposed to win this one. I, I I, get the argument that people want to have about how like, look, I bought a house in an R1 community and all this blah, blah, blah. But I mean do, do you think that um, you should be able to live in a city that has a cap on the amount of people that are allowed to live there? Like it's – it kind of comes back to this sort of like the United Airlines thing where they dragged the guy off the airplane, right? And as shitty as I thought that was, I've got to say that I came down on Mike Rowe's side of things. When he, when he after the fact said, look, you don't have a right to that airplane seat just because you bought it, like just because you paid for the fare. If they say to you, get off the airplane, we're going to give you your money back, like that's fair. They should compensate you for kicking you off the airplane. But they shouldn't have to explain themselves. That's not your airplane, and you don't have a right to fly. So you can complain and say that you got shitty customer service, like like virtually every customer of United Airlines gets. Um, but you know, I don't want to live in a world where people think that they've got this like god given right to occupy a seat on on an airplane or somebody else's private property. So I I come back to kind of what I said at the start of this is that nobody in the city is going to force you to have uh, a secondary suite on your property or to rent it to the world's shittiest tenants, which is what the entire dialogue around this seems to be. However, if that's my prerogative and I want to have shitty tenants live beneath me and pay me 500 bucks a month for the privilege – who the, who the hell are you to say that I can't do that on my private property?
0: I have mostly no disagreement to that, apart from the fact that uh, parking is already at a premium. At my particular location, and I could just see my shitbag neighbors deciding to have a secondary suite and bringing four more cars in and making life pretty unbearable for me. That would be the only complaint I'd have. But, I mean, who's to say that the main family doesn't bring in four more cars and four more members, right? It has nothing to do with renting it out to someone. That's just a general, you know, living together complaint kind of thing.
1: And that's not your street, Dave. That's Right. Yeah. I like, I, I don't know. I always think I've got, it's so funny. Like I can't possibly complain about that. I've got five places to park cars on my property. We've got like this redonkulously long driveway that we were able to fit three cars into for quite a while. When I had a beater up on blocks on my driveway, I was the bad neighbor. And Roger, our
0: garage. my neighbors uh, next to me have a pilot that starts small and gets large towards the back. Right. At one point before I put up the fence, They had a shared parking pad where they and I could park a vehicle each. They have a two-car garage with a one-car garage built onto the side of it. So we're at four now. They Mm. also have three parking pad spots in the back. And yet they still park three more vehicles in front of their house.
1: In front of the house. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, I don't know what the solution to the whole parking thing is. All I want people to do, I want two things when it comes to parking is I want people to know where they can and cannot park. And then I also want the bylaws to come out and write tickets for people who are causing nuisances. And it's like, I mean, I, look, I've complained about this so many times on this podcast. I'm not going to get into it again here, but I have absolutely no idea why. Um, these like this, you know, th- this is a city that loves to set up photo radar yet they won't go shoot fish in a barrel when it comes to bylaw officers. And I have no idea why they won't.
0: Or this is a city that decides that it's a good idea to do construction on Crowchild in February. (laughs) And uh, while there's no actual work being done or very little work being done, they still have no problem keeping that speed limit at 50 and parking a photo radar car every single fucking
1: day. That's bullshit. It's, it's so funny to me. Like I, somebody at the city should get their neck rung for this too. I, one of the most egregious things I ever read that they did was at uh, the Sue Higgins Dog Park, right? Which is at the foot of Southland Drive, uh, just, you know, east of Deerfoot Trail. Um, so it's a huge dog park and it's popular and there's a lot of dogs that run around there. It's a really fantastic spot. And like with any uh, you know open space, people don't pick up after their pets. So the people that use the park frequently, they organize themselves to do like a cleanup. So they're going to walk through the park and they're going to clean up a ton of dog shit, which is good for them, good for the dogs, good for the other people that are going to use the park, whether the dog owners are just cyclists or just people who like to go for a walk. It's also really good for the city, right? Mm. Because they don't want to have uh, a lot of that stuff running off into the Bow River. Anyway. This is, this is great for everybody all around. So they organized this volunteer corps to go and do it. So many people showed up that the cars burst out of the parking lot and they were kind of parked along the side of the road. What did the city do? Oh, they went and gave fucking tickets oh. to people who were volunteering their time to clean up city property.
0: Assholes.
1: Like Ridiculous. Like somebody had to get their neck wrung for that. Now, I know that was a fish in the barrel kind of situation that I just said I wish the bylaw uh, officers would come out and, and take care of. But the fact that you've got citizens volunteering their time to clean up city property should let them off the hook on those like chicken shit parking tickets.
0: Yeah, that one could be like, what's going on here? Why are there so many cars? And then someone says, oh, we're cleaning up the park because we're doing this big walkthrough and cleaning everything up. And then the ticket writing officer goes. Gotcha. And just keeps moving.
1: Yeah. Let me go remove all of these from your windshield. Yeah, exactly. Lickety split. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, like, you know, when we, we've, we've got, it's going to be brutal again this week with, with parents parking like morons around our house. And all we want is the city bylaw officer to come by and just write parking tickets to people so that word gets out that like, look, Don't park like a dick. No one has an issue with people parking on our street. It's when they block driveways or when they park like a dick that Mm -hmm. they should, that there should be some sort of penalty for it. But
0: whatever. I mean, God, I, these, these neighbors I complained about earlier, uh, one of them, uh, because we're on a a curve, um, we all, we all go in 90 degrees, which we're not supposed to. Technically, we could get a ticket every single day. Right. But... Uh, that's the way it's been. Uh, so my next door neighbors, uh, the grandparents moved in. And so now, uh, one of them likes to park, likes to choose an angle that is not conducive for the rest of us. (laughs) And so there's been many back and forth battles about this, but her last, uh, her last sortie was to, uh, park her car at the angle she wanted and then not move it again. It has literally been like stacked up in snow and ice for the last two and a half months. (laughs) <laughs> and while part of me, that drives me absolutely insane. And I'm like, you know, technically this is an abandoned vehicle. In theory, you're supposed to move your car every 72 hours. Is that If right? you leave a car, a vehicle on a street more than 72 hours, you could technically declare it to be abandoned. However, the owner of the vehicle lives in the house in front of it. They're probably not going to have a lot to say about it. Right. But, But yeah,
1: no, I mean, that kind of shit just drives me crazy. Yeah, anyway. So to go back now to, to bring it all back to secondary suites. Um yeah I I I just kind of get this sense that Calgary goes through these spurts from time to time where people just want it to be uh, you know the town it was in 1983 you know half a million people we don't need to get we don't need to be south of Fish Creek Park we don't need to be you know east of Forest Lawn we just it's a nice small town big city it's like sorry guys
0: I guess I guess my question is though there's a glut of condos on the market right now Right, we started building all these giant, gigantic condos two, three years ago before the big dip hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we really need all these secondary suites right now? Like I thought, there was a crap ton of housing. House, housing prices are dropping because no one can sell them. What okay. the hell's going on?
1: But here, this is again like I, I'm gonna. This is kind of the first time in a long time I've, I've had an opportunity to crack on you for something you said. But it's really not about do we need the secondary suites. It's should people be allowed. To, to create this on their property with minimal friction, right? So no, I don't think we do need – uh this to solve a problem, you're right. We've got a glut of of inventory on the on the rental housing market. I think the question sort of becomes if I want to buy a house and put a mortgage helper in the basement, shouldn't I just be allowed to do that? Why do I have to go through the rigmarole of begging city council to let me do it? And then I get the I have to face the scorn of all my neighbors who think that it's going to be uh, uh you know a grow up in about 72 hours. Fair enough.
0: And I agree fully with you. And I further agree that There's no reason that the actual people who run the city should have to spend days and days dealing with this. That's the insane part of all this is like, just go talk to the guy who's in charge of deciding whether you can have a secondary suite. They could do exactly the same thing. But instead of in front of 14 council members and the mayor, why don't you just go and ask the guy who's in charge of housing and he and his four buddies can decide, you know,
1: (laughs) I love the people who, too, who want this to be about like renters, like follow some Twitter conversations or or Reddit conversations about secondary suites. And it's like renters are assholes and they're, they're dirty and they stink and they're talking by the fire pit all night. And it's like, it's the same as the Airbnb issue that I had. Remember when I think Ward Sutherland brought that up? Like, there's people knocking on the door at like one in the morning or people drunk in the street at 2 a.m. And it's like, that's got nothing to do with Airbnb. That's drunk and disorderly. <laughs> like, we have bylaws for that. Tell your bylaw officers to go and enforce that shit. But, you know, that's got nothing to do with having an Airbnb. Somebody can buy a house and then walk around the neighborhood drunk being an asshole. You don't have to rent a like. You don't have to rent my house from me to be a loud dick at two in the morning by my fire pit. I can do that just fine
0: without renting. And by the same measure, oh, it's going to lower my property value because renters don't take care of their property. Yeah, I know a hell of a lot of homeowners who don't do that (laughs) great of a job either. So,
1: renters aren't supposed to take care of the property. (laughs) I'm sorry. But that's no, I mean like, like
0: we're talking like mowing the lawn and stuff like that, right? Keeping it generally
1: kind of good looking. So. hey, listen, as a landlord, renters aren't supposed to do that. Like, you might work out a deal with the landlord that says, "Hey, I'll, I'll cut the grass if you'll give me, you know, like fifty bucks a month off or something like that." That's just fine. But it's like if when somebody moves into a home, they look around the house and go, "See, everything works. The furnace works. The taps work. The lawn is 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 like this property is maintained at this like." Cutting the grass is up to the landlord. If I was a renter, there's no bloody way I would ever push a lawnmower across (laughs) that lawn. you kidding me? That's why I rent. National Talkie League. We'll tell you what we want. What we really, really want. It's good to be back, Dave. It's good to be back uh, in the the arena.
0: Yeah, I feel as uh, now that you're back in town, you'll have more to say about things that are happening in town. Uh, Probably a lot less Malaga talk, though, sadly.
1: No, that's, that's a good thing. It was a good experience. Uh, and I'm really grateful that people were, were, uh, that stuck with us during the unplanned hiatus. It was a little more difficult to, uh, keep the podcast on the rails. Um, from such a great distance we got a couple off and then the, the one that you did with ken i thought was exceptional so but uh yeah as you put it season two is is on now and we are we're back in the we're back on the edge.
0: yay and yes thank you for not giving up on us unless you did in which case you're not hearing this so <laughs> to hell with you anyway uh but yeah for those of you that are regular listeners thank you for putting up with our Our noise, I know, and then I posted on Twitter. I was like, sorry, we're not going to make it this week. And people were like, is everything okay, guys? Like, yeah, no, no, it's okay. (laughs) I had a big uh, Lego project that I had to knock out. And uh, Roger actually was like, okay, we're going to record tonight at 9. And then messaged me again at 9.45 to say, look, I'm going to bed. And I was like, (laughs) oh, my God, I totally, I totally forgot. I was so wrapped up in working that I totally, totally forgot. And then the next night... We were looking at doing it again, but you were still lagging from the jet.
1: Yeah. I've never experienced jet lag before, but I, I did certainly for the first time. And it's a real thing, man. It's like, I think it's a lot like mono. <laughs> what if you had jet lag while you had mono? I think that would be death, actually. I think the symptoms are wow. very similar. Nasty.
0: Yeah. I, I've, <laughs> I've only really experienced it once. And that was when we, we flew to Australia and it was, yeah, it's like walking through molasses for about two days.
1: Yeah, the struggle is real that's for certain Uh, thanks to everybody uh, for sticking with us thanks to everybody for uh, listening to this podcast like we say at the end of every show uh, if if you love it by all means share it with your friends and uh, don't forget to leave a five star review if you haven't already and welcome to all the new listeners by the way who tried us on for the first time if you like what we've uh, what we've done, let us know. And if you, you want to hear you know, our take on something, uh, we're interactive. You can catch us on Twitter, on Facebook, or uh, send us an email, mail at league.com. All right.
0: Thanks very much for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. You've been listening to
1: the National Talkie League. Show notes from this episode can be found at nationaltalkyleague.com. Support for this podcast comes from you. Please share it on
0: social media. Give a five-star review in your favorite podcast store and connect
1: with us on Facebook. On behalf of Roger Kincaid and Dave Ware, thank you.